Hello, I'm Ian from Scholar Green and welcome to the Potters Podcast. Because of the recent events with COVID-19, we're unable to bring the normal show, of course, because there's no football and it looks like there's going to be no football till next season, unfortunately. So we decided to bring something new just, just to keep you entertained while you're locked in at the moment, counting your toilet rolls and pigging on biscuits and making Italian that you never decided to do before COVID-19. But anyway, we've got a guest here today, Rob Farrington. He's going to tell us all about his best and worst players, managers, everything that comes along in that kind of category. Explain why he's a famous Stoke fan and why he was on the Stoke YouTube channel. So I hope you enjoy. Sit back, stay indoors and enjoy. So here we go then. Uh, Rob Farrington, how are you today? Um, yes, mate. I'm, uh, I'm keeping up, same as everybody else is, I think. Locking yourself away and... Yeah. Uh, Trying to relieve the boredom. Well, that's what we're here for now on the Potters Podcast. Try and relieve a bit of this boredom that people are going through. <laughs> collecting yeah. toilet rolls and collecting pasty. <laughs> yeah, we can't go into uh, too much of this uh, panic buying thing, can we? So no, we're, that's now. another story, isn't it? Right, so uh, I found you on, um, of course, Stokes' YouTube channel, which was my passion. Uh, my story, my passion, my summit, I can't remember what it's called now, but uh, I'd, I'd like to know how that come apart, and I think the listeners would too, to be honest. Um, basically, I think Stoke City just, they, they decided, the media side of Stoke City decided to, um, they wanted to do a fan-based, you know, interviews with certain fans if they got any interesting facts interesting uh, you know anecdotes whatever from um, being a Stoke fan over the years uh, and they just they basically just put it out there on, on the I don't know if it was the Stoke Loud and Proud site or the Stoke City's own site um, and I just I, I gave them a message back and just said you know give me a bit of a story about my granddad and they they uh, invited me down to a proper interview, um, which is quite a pleasant surprise. Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I can understand with your story because you, I mean, you, your granddad's story is quite heroic and quite brilliant, really. So I was just hoping you could touch into that, really, because I think it's a brilliant story. Um, yeah, I, as I said, to, uh, I did the interview last year with him. Um, which I'm still waiting for this uh, little freebies they on about letting me go down the match free of charge and I'm still waiting for that that hasn't happened yet you know yeah, and I think there's a few other fans a few other fans are doing the same um, but yeah I mean, it, was, it was basically well, I've, I've obviously in my granddad all my life he's, he's passed away now he passed away not long after we moved up to the um, 365 stadium but uh, all my life he's been a Stoke fan my granddad and it's yeah it's, it's a funny one like because obviously he um he went into the army as he did in them days um but he managed to get uh, i think it was three days off three days dispensation is it called dispensation it, to yeah, get, like get out get out of the army so that he can go and marry me nan <laughs> it was all set up for the the weekend so he could see uh, go to the register office, marry me now. And they had a big do, all the big do was in the Victoria pub opposite the Victoria ground at the time. Um, and that's obviously, that's the main sort of story for me to eat. They went there, they got married, they had to do it, the thingy at the Victoria pub. And then straight away after that had been over and done with, 
my granddad and most of the guests all went across in the suits and uh, went across to the Stoke match. So they watched the Stoke match. Uh, if I remember rightly, it's a nice win for Stoke 3 uh, 0. Uh, with the, the fellow ladies and uh, yeah they, they had a good afternoon so it was a, a wedding uh, out the army for a few days a wedding Stoke got a nice win and then he was sent back in there so we had to go back into the army then Did so you... it was a, an eventful weekend should I say <laughs> well he had an interesting story before that though didn't he really because he was stationed in Italy once at the time yeah I mean he was based he was based I think quite a few places, Egypt is one of them, and Italy. But obviously in Italy, um, like I said to the, in the other interview, he managed to escape with one or two other guys when he was captured as a prisoner of war. Managed to escape. And a, a nice family up in the hills, a farming family, hid him for a number of days. But unfortunately, they were recaptured and, uh, you know, taken back to the camps. So... Um, yeah, it was a funny one, like, you know, he managed to get away, but they caught hold of him again and, and got him back in there. So once, obviously, the war was over, he did his time. When he did come back from the war, uh, he carried on as a Stoke fan where he left off. Uh, he, he never really went to any um, away matches. He didn't do the travelling side. Um so he always went to the home matches and, and from the time when he came out of the war to when he uh, we moved up to the Bet365 Stadium, um, he'd only missed two home matches in all that time. Um, which is, that's, that's the one, isn't it, I think. It's Two, he always used to say to me, yeah, I've only missed two matches. I mean, when I was a kid, I went with him a couple of times. As I got older, I went more. Um, and then for a number of years, I, I went with him anyway. It was just like the two of us, and sometimes my brother would go. To the point where I started going with the lads and whatever. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant. I remember, I remember going with him. Uh, Stoke City invited him down onto the pitch at half time after he'd been a, a Stoke fan for over 50 years. And they uh, gave him a, a signed shirt and we went on at half time on the pitch and they, they gave him a signed shirt of all, from all the team players and etc. And I've still got that, that's what I've got here. Um, when he, when you know, we lost him, he passed it all on to me and my brother. So I've got his shirt. I've got all his um, programs, match day programs, his cup, his programs, etc. So I've got, I've got all of them here in his old suitcase. Oh, so cool. I've got a nice collection of stuff from him, you know. Um, I can just imagine now at Christmas time he was watching the greatest, greatest escape and goes, "Oh, that's rubbish, <laughs> Alice. It didn't happen like that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think it will happen. I was a little bit uh, too excitable that film, isn't it? For it's all that rubbish. I wouldn't, wouldn't have got away with that. <laughs> no, and, and it's my life because I remember growing up. Me, me dad, and my granddad was obviously absolutely mad on sports. Not just you know Stoke. He, he also liked a little bit of bet on the all season. He watched his sports all the time. So I remember growing up. He always had two tallies in the front room. So one was what my nan was watching, 
with the black and white films and, we, and whatever. <laughs> and my granddad was always on the other telly watching his sport, watching his horse racing, watching, you know, <laughs> uh, World of Sport and all that in them days. World of Sport. Well, just a little bit before my time that was. I can remember Grandstand but not Wheeled at Sport. Yeah, what Dickie Davis, you don't remember Dickie Davis. No, no. I mean <laughs> 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 slightly better slightly better uh, um, than uh, match of the day nowadays, I think. Did did he ever mention like one player that was like he he adored? Did he ever say like there was a player that was absolutely brilliant to who he ever said like before our time that he said was like amazing, like an incredible player? Who stood out? Yeah, who stood out? Um, Richie was one of me mentions a lot, and obviously Stanley Matthews. Yeah, Stanley Matthews. You can't. I mean, you can't really knock the Stanley Matthews one, can you? But I think, yeah. Richie was one of me used to always mention, uh, and Stanley Matthews, yeah. I think Denny Smith popped up a few times. Yeah. I mean, he, he's like all us fans. He, he he was critical at times of Stoke. Oh, we all are. He, he, you know, <laughs> he, had, he, he had his fair share of whinging and moaning about him. Um, and, you know, the usual stuff what comes out of blokes' mouths when they, uh, they get going. Mm. But, yeah, they, they were probably the, the main ones he sort of mentioned regularly. Again, they, they, I suppose they are before my time as well, you know. Yeah. So, um, all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, he must have watched players like Freddie Steele and Neil Franklin and probably Frank Sue, maybe McCrory, all these old... Players that I wish I could go back and watch. You know, Freddie Steele was apparently our only legendary goal scorer, some would say. Uh, but yeah, my, my granddad talks a lot about John Ritchie. He says, oh, there's nobody like John Ritchie. So yeah. he's, he's a beast of a striker. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if from them eras, we, we can't sort of imagine how they had to play football in them days and, you know, the conditions, the boots, the, the clothing, uh, the football. You know, it was a totally, totally different kind of game then once it's I mean there were blokes then as well, weren't they? So oh, wow. um yeah. <laughs> played in played in swamps as well, wouldn't have happened. <laughs> oh god, yeah. It, it, it's amazing how they had to play football considering considering what the you know, the luxury that nowadays they have in the modern game. Yeah, it is it's quite unbelievable. Right, so now we'll, we'll, I think we'll move more into you, to how you got started and how you properly got into being Stoke and what, what got you going really. Well, I mean, going by what I've already said, it's, it's pretty obvious that there was no way I was going to be anything other than a Stoke fan. When you grow up with your granddad such a keen follower of Stoke, both me and my twin brother, you know, became Stoke fans. Um, it was never going to be the other side of the town, was it? It was no, always going no. to be a Stoke. Um, as I, I don't think my granddad would have uh, allowed that. Um, but yeah, it, 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 that's basically how I got into it, my granddad, because my dad has never bothered with football, never followed football, never been interested. So it isn't something that um, that side, you know, my dad's side didn't do. So it was always going to be. That's how I got into being a Stoke fan with my granddad. Um, quite a few years when I, I grew up, once I was a, a late teenager, I, I moved in with my nan and granddad. So I lived with them for about eight years anyway. And we only lived on Fletcher Road, which is just around the corner from the old ground. 
so it was you know ideal to just walk to the match so again it sort of all revolves around my granddad hasn't it so yeah it's, it's always starts around somewhere so yeah. when you first grew up what were the type what was the team what were the players that you grew up with what was the who was the player that sort of made you a Stoke fan if you know what I mean for me personally it was Mike Sharon and oh god when you saw Sharon working yeah oh he was fantastic wasn't oh, he oh what a finish I've never seen anything like him before us well not before I was I wasn't born on here but you know when I was growing up he, he made me a Stoke yeah. fan he used to walk in proud saying we've got yeah. forget Alan Sheeran we've got Sharon yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it's, I think it's one of the best we've had, to be honest, yeah. per game, per goal. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, we've had some good good strikers. Obviously, we've had some good goalkeepers over the years. Oh, yeah, good goalkeepers. But, it, like I say, strikers, uh, you know, they've been fantastic, aren't they? I mean, obviously, one of those what stands out as, as the most consistent sort of thing was little Steeno. Yeah, Steeno was like... The thing is, I remember Steeno, but I was a bit too young. I was I was liking me four fives when he was playing. I did see him, so I went to Bell Victoria Ground when I was young. I mean, my first game was the 1990, uh, what's it called, uh, Autoglass Trophy win, which I can't remember much of. I was only three. Oh, <laughs> I don't know I was allowed in, to be honest. Was that, was that the first Autoglass Trophy one? Yeah, that was, was my against that? Stockport. Yeah, it was my first ever game, that was. I've been what my dad told that's what stands out. one of the things that stands out about the Stockport game was Big Francis can you yeah. remember him yeah. was it Kev- Kevin Francis was it I'm not too sure to be honest because like I say the only one player that sort of stick in my mind from them times were like you know Overson Cranston yeah. um, Steno Gleghorn was there as well yeah um, but like I say I was too young to remember all the ins and out players the ones that I can't remember but that was the player yeah. that inspired you was it Do you remember much about the the Vale clashes? Because, like I said, I was too young for the, the really good ones where the ball got stuck in the mud and stuff. And yeah, I was, I was there when that happened. Yeah, I um, was. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was I was in line, more or less in line with him uh, when he went round the keeper. 
kicked the ball and he just stopped dead. It, it, I mean, I think we were all cheery to all that was a goal. And uh, and then it wasn't. You know. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was. Because, I mean, in them days, you'd, most of the time you'd go to these matches and you'd have a few beers. Um but yeah, we got a bit of a kick in that game, didn't we? I think. Yeah, I think it was three one, wasn't it? I think. I think it was three or four one, one of the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Robin Van der Land was there, wasn't he? Yeah, Van der Yeah, I mean, one of the the ones that always stands out for me, like uh, uh, you know, I've said to people before, going the autoglass uh, cup match down Peterborough. Yeah. And when we come away with the one 0 win, I think it was to get it. Was it? Paul I think Ware, as I said in the other interview, Paul Ware. Yeah. yeah Paul Ware. Um, it's just some, of, you know, some of them scenes. A little bit of argy bargy on the pitch. I think it was Wayne Biggins come on the pitch. Thought he was a fan at the time, didn't we? And it, it was it was Wayne Biggins having a bit of argy bargy. Um, and all them kind of things. They, they just they stick with you, don't they? Yeah, like, I, I remember most of the time. It's like a lot of people talk about the Premier League years, and the Premier League years were were amazing. There's no question of that. But I do miss the old Tim Grounds when when I was young and when I used to first start going with friends when we were in like the the old second division and and like watching players like Stanik and Hoopster and that and my probably my hero, the player that for me is probably my favourite fav- ever player really, which was James O'Connor. Oh, yeah. he's a brilliant, isn't he? The yeah. little man in the middle. Yeah. Oh, he was fantastic. He, he was one hell of a player, he was. And I can remember because we, we sold his two best players in the summer, didn't we, with um, Fawn and Kaveney. I know Fawn oh, didn't want to go, but Kaveney did, uh, which yeah. is why I will never class him as a legend. I used to love Kaveney till he left, and I was devastated at the time. And then I can remember I thought, we're going to stay in this league forever. Because I can remember to Dad going, we're going to stay in this league forever. We lost Kaveney. And, uh, yeah. And then up, up stepped James O'Connor and became an absolute hero <laughs> in every way. Hey, that's going back to, like I said, about your sort of your midfielders and that. They were they stand out, don't they, when they do such a classic job and everything. Um, the weight rate in the middle. Um, it, it, you know, without them, to me, without the weight rate, what you get there and the fighting spirit... You can't get your goals, you can't get your strikers on the ball. So, yeah, that, that's my thing about midfielders. So, you're right, James O'Connor and Kavanagh, fantastic. I mean, just over at the time, wasn't the Kevin Keane who we got from West Ham, sort of towards the end of his career? Yeah, um, well, was, it, was he there? Did he play on the left side? I think he played. I think he played towards the middle, but he was a, he was a winger when he was at West Ham because he was right towards the end of his career when he came Stoke, and I think we used him as like a stable anchor midfielder. But he was he was at Stoke a good long while. He was he was there three four seasons during those dark times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some great players about. I mean, I, I mean, I, when when you go back to it, you got you've got to think about. Uh, players like Pesky Salido as well, who who had like a short stint but was fantastic in a shirt Stoke shirt as well. Put your bacon oh, on God. Didn't, didn't we get him from Birmingham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fell out yeah, with somebody. He did. He he was he was a good goal scorer again. He was a little guy, but he he just knew how to score, didn't he? Yeah, and that's that's the thing that we all go through and remember. So. I mean, would you remember would you remember Lou Macari times more fondly than the say the Tony Pulis times? Um, 
because it was such a big extended run and he, you know he got us up the tables it was all even away matches I think it was because we were so dominant and they were all good matches we dominated a lot of matches we won by decent score lines and stuff uh, but when you when you're talking going into the Premier League I, I was a big fan of Tony Pulis uh, me personally I know people have uh, uh, there's doubters out there whatever but for me Tony Pulis he is the man who took us up uh, I didn't think we played we didn't do I didn't think we actually played that well at the season before that, you know when we we finally got promoted to the Premier League we got that I think it was a, it was a nil-nil draw against Leicester yeah uh, on the final game just got us promoted um, but I didn't think we had a brilliant season that season but we managed to do it you know uh, but Tony Poole it's that first three years I think the first three three maybe four se- seasons in the Premier League was outstanding especially the first season it, you it know. got better didn't it every, 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 every season just seemed to get better yeah, yeah there, was, there was no I don't think I, I think you can compare the two it, it was a totally different sort of ball game that I wanted to, I just I remember that first game was against Aston Villa in the uh, in the Premier League at home against Aston Villa if I remember rightly yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and the big man scored at Eddie about two minutes before the end of the match um, and I just it was fantastic but did you, you know, think he meant it? oh well he was being held down wasn't he? <laughs> I don't think their he meant that for the moment player got hold of his shit he was holding him down he couldn't have to get a proper head on it so all he's done is he probably helped him if anything he's got a bit of a flick on and he was in the back of the net wasn't it? yeah it's a great, it's a great it could be the bookies paid out didn't they and yeah. we got battered at Bolton and I'm thinking oh no it's going to be one long season this isn't it <laughs> And then I, I think to me the reason why I class Fuller is a hero for me and I think a lot of people do because the problem is for me with Ricardo Fuller he always went missing when the cold weather came in. It's like for example it's like for example you said the season we got promoted. I think he scored 13 goals in the first half of the season and scored one in the second half. We had to bring in Moby in, Bothroyd in and I think it was another striker we had to bring in and we just we stopped scoring and you, know, you were right like at the, the end of the day the, the t- year we got promoted if Fuller was a consistent goal scorer we would have we would have trounced that league we would have won it that year yeah and I think we would yeah I agree but Fuller stopped yeah. scoring oh god yeah again it, it, it was it, like I said it just it just wasn't the, the league we wanted it to be that wasn't then but yeah he got us promoted it did great and then um, Pooley's put his, his full stamp on it then didn't he and what, what, a, what a fantastic start that was in the Premier League I know we can't ask for a better result than that can you I mean Fuller's yeah. goal alone against Villa like I say just yeah, that's what for me sums you up as an hero that he could do those magical things like he did against that little, that little mazy run he yeah, did and just put it, it away yeah. yeah, and that was a, a, an Aussie Ordealist moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Is it Aussie Ordealist? Yeah, yeah, who just kept running and going left and right. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it won't be better now, will it? I mean, do you think? Do you think we'll actually get back up into the Premier League? I think we can under Michael O'Neill because I'm always positive when it comes down to Stoke. I mean, some people say I'm an idiot because I'm I put bets on it weird that we're going to go straight back up bets on all the time. I do sometimes fall for the hype, 
But after I think the bad treatment of Rowett and I think Nathan Jones just being not just not ready for that kind of job, I think we have now got the right manager. I, I do really rate Michael O'Neill and let's be honest, he hasn't really had a long time, but he's he's completely turned the form round and I, I do believe. Yeah. I do believe. What do you reckon? Oh yeah, I, I wasn't sure about him when he first came, uh, but I mean, he, he, I, I liked what he did with the island side. I liked how he gets them all working hard, uh, uh, the work rate, and you know, all working as a team. So I thought if he could bring that to Stoke, it'd be fantastic. I mean, to be honest with you, stats show that he's doing a fantastic job. Oh yeah, without a question. You can just see the improvement in the players as well, though, can't you? Yeah, everyone. And it seems like did did the, did the players not to not want to work for uh, Jones, or do you think he was he was he himself was just doing it all wrong? Like you say, he he wasn't ready for it. He, he definitely wasn't ready for the Premier League uh, or even the Championship. Um, Jones wasn't, but. Do you think it was all Jones? Do you think the players themselves had something to do with it? I think, um, to be honest, I think the problem is with Jones because he didn't have a vast experience of management to go from, like a Michael O'Neill does. Because he's been he's been around a long time. O'Neill has been managing well over ten years, not maybe at the highest level and international level, but he's got experience to draw back on when things don't go right. The problem is with Nathan Jones. He came into Luton with a system. He had the players there that suited that system. And it just set off. They were winning big score lines, scoring goals every week. But when he jumped into it, Stoke, we didn't have those players, and because he didn't have the experience to draw back on, he couldn't really. He didn't have a, sec- a game B, did he? he didn't yeah, have a plan exactly, B. Exactly, that's it. Yeah. He was. He was just trying to force that that way of his play. Is what he had in his head, uh, and it, it didn't work. So how did he? And that's why he chopped and changed with it. Because what what annoyed me was he kept on saying. He wanted to uh, be attack-minded football, fast attack-minded, flying down the wings, this, that and the other. Uh, he only wanted to have a, a small squad, so he wanted to have two players in, in every position. But he, none of that happened, no, did it? He, no. he, didn't, he didn't get rid of the right players, he didn't bring in the right players, he didn't play the right system. He was continually playing the wrong system. Then he'd go back to playing the a system what worked, but then he changed it again. Then he'd swap the players around again, and no, none of us as fans knew what we were getting from him. No, I think when he when he early on had to change his tactics because they weren't working. I think that was the end of Nathan Jones. I think he was trying things that he didn't really know what he was doing with, and and it just wasn't working. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah. Just have, instead of the few months what they have pre-season, he needed 12 months of pre-season so he could and have loads and loads of games under his belt so he can do all that chopping and changing and getting everything sorted and maybe he needed that kind of time but, but you yeah, don't get given that kind of time do you? No, uh, you know, game, no. In football so he didn't have time to get it all sorted um, and oh, I mean his record was appalling by the end of it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I do wish him well. I do. I hope he 
probably drops down to League One or League Two again and reforms his career because he's a nice bloke. He, he he was the manager when, of course, rest in peace, Gordon Banks died. So Gordon Bank, and he 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 held that with great esteem for me, and I'll always respect him for that because it was a bad time for Stoke fans and he was the manager and he, and he, he, he only had good things to say about him and I think he, it was the right thing at the time so I just hope, I just wish him well but I think we've moved on and finally got the right man I mean I was getting to touch on now what, how do you feel about the club as it's running and working at the moment off the pitch do you think are you happy with what's been going on? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. I think Tony Scholes at times, I think he's he is he's a, a banker, isn't he? Basically, at the end of the day, he's, he counts books. He's good with money, and I don't think he should be having says in what a good player is and been getting involved in the scouting networks. I, I really do. I think John Coates has to step up. I mean, for me personally, I think the Coates family has to step back and bring a chairman in. That's what I've been yeah. saying for a long time. Somebody who knows what they're doing. So if you if you look at all the successful models that are around now, like your Leicester's, your even Leeds to a push, um, uh, Watford's, Brighton's, they all have owners, but they have somebody who knows what they're doing to run the club. Yeah, because at one stage they, everyone was bringing in a director of football, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, and I know we briefly had it when was it John Rudge did it? Yeah, Rudge. Yeah, Rudge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a director of football, and I mean John Rodger again, a proper footballing bloke, so he knew what he was on about. So mate, that that could be, you know, the answer, the way forward. Somebody who actually knows about football, who's there, um, and can help help it that way. Uh, I think Michael O'Neill knows exactly what kind of players and whatever he needs. But if if you hit a brick wall when you say, well, I want this player and I, I, I don't want that player. And then you get a, you know, you got a brick wall to deal with, um, and I think that's what the other managers uh, have, you know, had a trouble with recently. Yeah, and I think it's it's just how it's working out in the modern game now. I think that at times the coach family are a bit behind and they won't get a bit too involved with it at times. I know John's probably bored at the moment because Denise basically is the runner and owner of Bet365, but you know he can still just run the club by bringing a chairman in to do that role somebody who knows what they're doing and, and yeah. I think there was a, a talk not long ago not before, not long before the lockdown started and the football stopped they did an inter- a, a fan meeting thing and, and he, he was straight out flat refusing director of football chairmen he was no we're going to run it this way and they'll go yes we've made mistakes but then I think to myself but yes your mistakes have put us from ninth in the Premier League to bottom of the Championship 
Yeah. And you have to take responsibility for that. You can't just go, oh, well, we've made mistakes and then change nothing. You have to be pragmatic when it comes down to running a football club. And I think that's where Stoke do go wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they looked at, uh, you know, going back to Jones, they looked at bringing in a young uh a manager who could have been around for a long time who had, you know it looked good uh, his teams looked good uh, but I said if he'd have sat back and thought well he hasn't got the experience he's only had fortune with Luton everything he's done with Luton he has, like I said he hasn't had to uh, work out how to turn it around when he's having a, a bad few games or whatever it's all gone his way yeah. he didn't know how to turn it around and somebody you know like a director of football etc would be able to look at that and say no he, he just he hasn't got the experience to turn this Stoke team around um, so he, he, yeah I think that it is the way forward but like I say um, whether Tony Scholes is around to see that uh, you know or bring somebody else in and move him to one side uh, it won't happen for a long time anyone else who's in the way <laughs> yeah. no no they seem to have a love affair with Tony Scholes I mean he's a nice bloke he's a very nice friendly chap and everything but like I say that doesn't win your football matches no he doesn't get you doesn't get you 80 million pounds players either <laughs> no exactly no it doesn't does it I mean we, we as a summit about Stoke City what we struggle to command you know some of these big name players while they're in their peak we seem to get certain players who've got a year or two left in them um, you know when they're on their way back down uh, we've always tended to do that uh, we've been lucky with a, a, a few players recently like your, your Arnie's um, but you know, most of the time, a lot of them haven't worked out, so I think so. Well, I was going to ask you that, as the first, the first question I was going to ask was, who who was the players we signed in the Premier League that made you go, wow, how have we got him? The, the one, what, what I did, what me and my mate were jumping around, hugging each other, was Peter Crouch. Yeah, I think most people's answer is that, yeah. Yeah, it's it, got me. I mean, I, I, you know... When we brought Peter Crouch in, I was I was just ecstatic. I was over the moon. I, I'm still a big fan of him. I still think he can do the job now. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, if you play him a certain way, you can still score goals. You know, um, but it, yeah, Peter Crouch was the one that stood out for me. I didn't know enough about Arnie before we signed him. Uh, just the the bad stuff I hear about him being a bit of a bad boy and whatever. But, you know, if we'd have played Arnie in that number 10 role, that, that, the whole team would have been different. We'd have had a lot more goals. We'd have done a lot better. I think Arnie was a fantastic player, but he was played in the wrong position. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, yeah. He, he, he never... That's why I think um, Eric Peters got the abuse he got. Eric Peters was a fantastic left wing back he, uh, you know some people don't like him in that his, his stats if people looked at his stats over the seasons as he was with us 
Dyrile, they were one of the best stats we had. His weight rate, his tackles, his block shots, everything was fantastic. And he was doing that all being a, a left wing back. So he was getting up, he was trying to get crosses in. Arnie didn't want to get back and help. Very rarely did he get back and help. So he was doing all that on his own. So Eric Peters got a raw deal because Arnie didn't want to get back. So if you'd have played Arnie where he was supposed to have been, as in, to me as a number 10, we'd have got a lot more goals. Peters would have had somebody on that side who would have helped him get back and caught for him when he got forward. And that would have made a massive difference. I think we'd have seen a team that scored a lot more goals. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest though, I think Peter's stats were better when he was with Arnie because Arnie would take the pressure off him. He'd, he'd get to a point and give it to Arnie. But when Arnie left, it sort of exposed Peter's really because yeah, then he had yeah. to do the running forward, which wasn't his game. Like the thing is with Eddie Peter's, he was a centre back, turn left back, and then under Hughes, turn left wing back. So it was, it, it, you know, he yeah, was never built for it. Yeah, they fitted him into that role. And I said, again, his work rate for me, because I like players who, who, who work hard and get about. I, I, I liked Eric Peters. Um, you know, I like Phil Bardsley. The two of them will give you a bit. They work hard, they get stuck in. Um, and, and again, where are they now? We got rid of them sort of surplus to requirements and they're both still in the Premier League. Mm, yeah, Peter's broke in fully now, pretty much at Burnley as left back now as well. So it, it shows exactly that he's so. a Premier League left back. Yeah, exactly. So how is it that we can't see him for their true potential, but they can go and still be playing in the Premier League, and we are still squealing out for a left back? And to be honest with you, we still got our doubts about the right hand side as well. We don't know whether. Smiths, they want to be there or not, mm. or Edwards, or you know, it's still even now that still seems to be a bit of an issue, don't it? The two well backs there. The problem is for modern wing backs, they're not cheap, and that's the biggest problem. If if you want to bring a good one in, you're talking millions, you're talking over ten million, and I don't think the club, even in the Premier, because I mean, what did you reckon was the cause of our demise towards the end of his Premier League time? Players in. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think we, we all know that. I think it wasn't the, the the amounts to spend. I think we we just didn't spend that extra bit of money to get number one targets like Harry Maguire, Robertson, Witzel were players we missed out of, and and then it was like panic panic modes and went, oh, well, let's get Mbuller in. Oh God, let's get Vimmer in. And it seemed like if he'd just spent that extra couple of million in the long run, it would have gained us. But instead, we've got a player that wasn't good enough and has ended up being loaned out all the time and probably going to go for free when we we can mutually agree to let them go. Yeah. Well, wasn't there a question about us getting that, um, was it the left winger um, last season to try and get a, la- a left winger from Nottingham? Yeah, Ben Osborne. And they, yeah, and wasn't it, um, it was, they wanted about six and a half million for them. Um, Stoke, I think whether it's Scholes or one of the other guys said no, they were only willing to pay six, and that just an half a million, just arguing over half a million, so we didn't get him, and just pay that extra half a million, we would have got this, you know, a great left winger at the time. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, a season ago would have made a big difference, or half a season ago at least. Well, he's so, he's now Sheffield United in the Premier League as a left wing back. So we could have had someone like him, but because they didn't want to spend that extra half a million, um, you know, we missed out. So yeah, you're right. You know, they, they just dig a little bit deeper. If a, if a manager sees a player that he wants, even if it's a couple of million more than the Stoke City want to pay, they need to pay it. Right. So here's the tough bit of the of the interview now. Here's your questions. Right. So we're going first. So who's who is your favourite ever player? If you had to put one, you could do honourable mentions as well. But who is your favourite player? Um, let's have a think. Favourite player all through. I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with Peter Crouch. You know. Peter Crouch. Yeah, I'm going to stick with him. Just from the modern time, this is. Um, I I love Peter Crouch. I liked him. Whether he played for Liverpool. You know, or not, you know, he was always one of my favourite players anyway. So to get him at Stoke, I thought it was a massive coup. Um, and I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for Peter Crouch. There's a few others who are pretty close behind. But yeah, Peter Crouch for me. Give them a mention, give them an honourable mention. <laughs> Say again, sorry. Yeah, give them an honourable mention. Which are the other ones that you want to? Like, obviously, Crouch uh, was your favourite, but who are the other ones that stick to mind? So again, go to the tough bit now. This is the one that people struggle with. Van Smith had to come back to this. <laughs> um, worst ever play, and you can again do honourable mentions if you want. Oh, there's quite a lot, isn't there? I've got a few. Yeah, I mean, I picked um, uh, Brian Smalls. I picked. You know, they, they said he was the new Dennis Irwin. He, he couldn't even he couldn't even lace his boots. So. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's obviously there's quite a few I can't even remember the names 
fuck off now, you know, because they were that insignificant. Um, oh, God. You know, got me thinking, you know, hard now, because I don't like to belittle players, to be honest with you, I don't. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's only, it's not, it, it's not, it's just a bit of fun, really. It's not, the, yeah, yeah. it's, it's nothing thing, I just think it's a good question. I always like new people's favourites and waste. Like, me, me yeah. mates who are the pod with Mark, he, yeah. um, his waste was Carl Lightbone. Um, yeah, he's one of them. <laughs> he's, he's probably in there with it, to be honest with you. He wasn't a, he, he didn't do much at all, did he? Um, who's the guy who... Oh, God, we brought in, but I ne- never ended up hardly ever played him. I think what his name is now. The American lad. Oh, he, he never got sniffed, did he? Uh, Breck Shea is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Breck Shea, well, no, I actually quite liked him. I actually thought he was all right. I don't think he had a, a good enough run to get a bit of consistency out of him. Um, I, I wasn't too, you know, I was okay with it. Oh, you really put me on the spot with this one, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I might have to phone you back and get, give you the answers to that one, mate. <laughs> all right, well, you're thinking of that. Uh, who's your best manager? Uh, oh, for me, obviously my era. Uh, it, it's a toss-up between Macari and Pulis for me, but I think at the time, with all the good times they had, the away matches, I went a lot of away matches in the Macari era. I'd, uh, I'm going to have to put Macari down for that one. Yeah, Macari. Just edges, just edges it over Pulis for me. Well, I mean, I could understand that because, to be honest, I think... Lou McCory was, he didn't have the same problems that Pulis had in many ways. I mean, I think McCory would have taken Stoke, uh, would have taken Stoke to the Premier League. I think it was Sally and Sharon that destroyed everything because it, it was a team built around one man. Really. It was a very average side, that team, in 96 that got to the playoffs. You know, it was built on Sharon. And it all fell apart when Sharon left, and I, th- I always, I always sat there, and, and I've always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with Peter Coates because I think that if he'd gone, no, we're not selling him, we're going to, we're going to try get in the Premier League. I think McCarley would have got us there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he did, I think McCarley did everything right. He knew how to get the best out of the lads. He knew uh, his, his formations. He got everything, his tactics right, he, he, he did everything right, Pulis worked from the, the back, you know, defending, and defending in numbers, and then breaking quick, but Macari, we had a bit of everything, uh, we had a full team where we could defend, but we also passed it around, we also scored, we used the wingers, so, you know, there was a lot more from the Macari team, because he, he, he he, he, that's what McCoy was able to do, and I think, yeah, as a if him nowadays, he would have he would have got us into the Premier League. McCoy would have, with you know, like I said, if he had to sell certain players, uh, we'd have been up there. Right then, so on the Spain, who's the worst manager you've seen down Stoke? Uh, <laughs> only saw him briefly. Um, the worst one's Chris Camaro on it. <laughs> he's, one of, he's one of them. Did he, did he actually manage us for a bit? Yeah, he did. He managed us for, I think it was four or five months. Um, yeah, he wasn't he, very good. And then, but on on that one, the, the, the shortest manager we ever had, was it Adams? Um, I'm not sure. No, was, it, was it Adams who came? 
was with us for a day for summit. Oh, I don't know. I can remember Alan Ball was here. He wasn't very tall, he was he? No, Alan Ball was, it would be in one of my list of not very good managers. Yeah, Joe Jordan uh, was there as well, wasn't he? But I didn't think Joe Jordan was that bad. He was bad, but he wasn't as bad as... I think Alan Ball, to me, Alan Ball was worse than him. Um, Kamara wasn't very, was just wasn't a manager. He wasn't very good, so he's died down there. I'm sure it was was it was it Mickey Adams who came was a day, and then he ended up going straight to Everton. I'm not too. Uh, Adrian Eve. No, no, Adrian Eve was all right. Um, no, it was Adams on the left wing. He plays the left wing when he was a footballer. And he came, we signed him as a manager, and he lasted about a day. And then he buggered off to Everton to manage Everton. Then he got the sack from Everton. Oh, I can't remember you. Have you missed that one? Yeah, I can't remember that one. No, I can't remember. I can remember Cottrell came, didn't he? Cottrell came and did a thing through again. Cottrell. Not Adams, Cottrell. Yeah, Steve Cottrell went to Sunderland as assistant manager, didn't he? With Alan yeah, Wilkinson. Yeah, I thought he went over to Everton, but no, there you go then. Yeah, Cottrell, um, yeah. It was Cottrell, once he? he didn't stay very long, so him and Kamara between them. Yeah, yeah, they're good shouts, yeah, Cottrell was... He, he, was, he came from Shrewsbury, didn't he, as a, like an hourly rated manager, and he did three games, yeah. and then and then went to Wilkinson, a Sunderland assistant manager. I've never known that before, to be honest, or since. No, a manager I leave to be assistant. Again, yeah. And then he was only in that even, three months. Yeah, I don't think he even made it to the canteen, did he? No, not really. He wasn't here long. Yeah, they understand Cottrell, yeah. He, he was he was very arrogant man. Very arrogant yeah, man. The, the, the reason uh, I think I got Adams in my head because Mickey Adams, I don't think Mickey Adams, he played on the left hand side for us for a season or so. Yeah, he uh, he came on loan, didn't he? Yeah, and, and yeah, didn't play many, yeah. I thought he was a fantastic left winger. Yeah, there he went to manage yeah. Vale, didn't he? That well, was it. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I think we put him on. We used to do a thing called name and shame, and he was on a shame. He was because he obviously managed Vale. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's why I had him. Yeah, my Adams in my head for some reason. But yeah, Cottrell. So yeah, between Cottrell and say Kamara for me, just edgy. So who would, who would, that looks it's one pick, so who would you pick out of them two? Um, uh, well, he just wasn't a manager, Kamari. Yeah, so I'll have to go yeah. for Kamari, he yeah. just wasn't a manager, yeah, was he? I, I don't know how he lasted so long, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. And I, I remember him doing his fist pump towards the Boovin end when he got his first win. And I think yeah. it was the only win. <laughs> I think it was the only win, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good shout, Chris Kamari, because he just basically wasn't a football manager, was he? He was, a, no. he was just a bloke who just got lucky. <laughs> and his team whoever it is I think they sometimes don't really judge what what entails to be a good manager at times yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I still haven't thought of who my uh, worst player is there's, so, there's uh, got the uh, one there there's got the one uh, there in the back of the mind uh, 
be able to be on this one. I'm going to have to. I'm going to think back, and I'm going to look back, and I'm, and I'm going to have to give you a call back and just let you know. Um, it's it, Michael it, Ricketts, Bruce Dye, Peter Sweeney was terrible. Uh, Brian Smalls. Yeah. Uh, well, they're all poor, weren't they? Top ten. Uh, it was garbage. There was, there was a fair uh, few. I mean, Wilson Palacios was terrible. No. Uh, now there you go, there, there's one I could fit into that category. Not very he just he, he didn't do it at Stoke, did he, Palacios? No, no, he didn't do it Tottenham either, did he really? No, um, again we had their sort of leftovers, uh, like women. I mean, you know something, I'd probably put women there. Yeah, women is a good shout, yeah, I mean... Women is, is probably... One player who who can't defend, he can't kick a ball very well. He was better kicking it with his bad foot than he was with his good foot. Wasn't he? <laughs> we don't know which one that was. Well, exactly. He, he's, he's, I think it was his his swinger foot. It, it was better than his good foot. Um, yeah, if, if we're going to be, if I'm on the put on the spot to put women, I say women is probably one of the worst, in, especially in recent times. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Barry Eno's up there for me. There's, I've got quite a few, to be honest, who, who yeah. come off the toe. I mean, what's his name? A Cranbury striker that was somehow we got we swapped with Mike Sharon, and he was absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible. And we swapped him, I think, with Norwich for Sharon, and his name was Keith Scott. <laughs> and it, yeah, I, I, I thought he was a centre back that was in the wrong position. Yeah. <laughs> he's terrible. Now, you know, sorry, I haven't thought about him for, for donkey's years and his face has just popped up in me in my head now you've said that. And he was terrible, wasn't he? Oh god, yeah. I think he scored I think he scored in his entire career something like sixteen goals and he was a striker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yeah, he's out. He's on loan in the mid tables of Belgium. Jesus, he can't even get into the, the higher ranking teams in Belgium, can he? No, no, he's struggling. He's struggling getting that side in Belgium. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it's very much a good shout. I mean, when you look at Kevin Vermeer, I mean, he, he he did well when he was in Germany for a, a stint, but he only had one good season. Then Tottenham signed him for something like five million. And then he played somewhat like 12 games for Tottenham, and then we bought him for 18. And you have, yeah, to, you have to look at the owners for that. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's the best businessman there? Eh? I know. It's, it's definitely not <laughs> definitely not Stoke at times. It, especially when we didn't actually... I don't think it, it was... A, it wasn't a centre-back that we were looking at, were we? We didn't... I didn't... As fans, we weren't thinking, oh, we've got to get a centre-back. No, not the time, we were, no. We were still looking at... As they keep saying about having a striker, um, and one of the, the issues I've always had about that 
we let's get a striker, you need to get a 20 goal plus striker, whatever, is you've got to get this support team, you've got to feed the striker. If you're going, you know, dependent on what kind of striker he is, you've got to supply him with a ball that the rest of the team have. Yeah. If you don't get the supply to him, it doesn't matter how good a striker is, if you can't get the ball to him, he can't score. Mm, that's the thing. You know, so playing the team the right way with a stri- the, the, the certain striker um, yeah that, that's what we need to be doing so um, it's never been oh, mine emphasis has never always been about getting this top striker it's about getting the team performing to get the ball forward so that we can even use the strikers that we've got mm, that's the thing yeah I mean um, right, so we'll go into the the final bits now of the interview um, what would you say was your best moment of being a Stoke fan? Oh God, there's been a few, aren't there? I the thing, what one, the one that stands out for me, the moments, uh, what stood out for me was that what I said earlier, that first win in the Premier League uh, against, was it against Aston Villa, was it? Yeah. That one's, that one's the one that stands out for me. I think that win against Aston Villa when we got in the Premier League and we won and when we were being written off before we'd even started, that stands out for me. I mean, there's, there's obviously other things and bits and bobs, but that, that, that's the thing where I thought, yeah, we you know, we were here. Yeah, it's a good, good one, yeah. I mean, my personal, obviously, is the semi-final, 5-0 against Bolton in. The 6-1 against Liverpool is a big one for me as well because I've never been yeah. so proud to walk and wait the next day. Um, I think that... But my my favourite ever moment was when we played Cardiff in the playoff semi-final. And I can remember, because I was only young then and I went with my dad, I can remember sitting there going... Because I think it was about the 84th, 85th minute and I sat there looking at my dad and going, we're going to be in this league for a long time now because they're going to go through. And then I can remember the ball just fell to James O'Connor just outside the box and he hit it full whack in the bottom corner. And it was, I've, I've never been so happy because I knew we were going to go through and I knew we were going to get promoted. And it, it was, I've never had a moment like that. I mean, fair enough, like 5-0, but it's a 90th minute thing, isn't it? And then you've got like, the, the goal, with, goal with Peter Crouch against Man City, but it's a moment, that James O'Connor goal, because I was there, I was in the away end and... It was just just pure joy <laughs> flew out on me. Yeah. I, I can believe that, yeah. But I like said with over the years there have been some cracking ones. What you mentioned, yeah, they were all good. The Peter Crouch one against Man City, I this I've had this debate ongoing for Donkey's years. I even had the same debate about three or four days ago online. For me, Peter Crouch's goal against Man City was the goal of the century, not just the goal of the season. So for Alan Shearer to give it to a Newcastle player on the last game with a ball that was swerving in mid-air and it could have gone anywhere, but it ended up in the back of the net, how he got the, the goal of the season. Oh, Pape Cissé, yeah. Yeah, how Shearer gave it to him. Uh, it, you know, just because he's a Newcastle player, yeah, you know, very frustrating. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, so yeah, that's that's up there as well. Because to me, that is, you know, goal of the century. Yeah, it's it's about. I'm saying that though. I've seen one better. 
Um, I can remember Stoke playing against Luton in the in the league, and I can remember the ball fell to Dave Brammy, and he was right in front of us where he was, and it must have been about forty yards. And this lad's never hit anything in his life. I mean, he was he was a good grafter who'd been around, but how he ended up at Stoke, I really don't know. And I, I can remember he just hit this. 38, 35, 36 yard strike right in the top corner I mean it couldn't have gone any perfect and I, I, I remember the shock in my face I mean how was he at that for a kick oh it was an incredible goal and it, for me he just pips uh, Peter Crouch's goal yeah, just, just for who it was and for the moment because he won us the game as well we got a vital three points against Luton and it just it just still to this day shocks me that David Brammer could hit a ball that perfect <laughs> just, just yeah, I can one. remember I can just about remember him Brammer but I can't remember his goal unfortunately yeah it was it was, it was an absolute screamer and it, I mean it, it went right in the corner it literally hit, hit the corner it couldn't have been any perfectly struck it was, it was incredible drive yeah, it's a great time. So that one pips the Crouchy one yeah, for you. Yeah, just pips it for me because of who because of who Dave Brammer was, a man who I think scored four goals in his career. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean the the other ones that stand out goal scoring. I used to love Higginbottom. Yeah, the good player Yeah, Danny Higginbottom's free kicks, even Robert Hughes' free kicks, but them grass cutters, you know, them daisy cutters he used to. He just piled over him straight into the net uh, fantastic I used to love thinking he always got him on target and I just think they were they were you know good free kicks because you know he did score a few of that yeah there's always been there's always been like little moments and stuff like that but like I say because I've been because I was going through the terrible years and I do miss it in a way like when people say oh god we were down to league one and it was like I had some great times in league one they were brilliant times I remember like playing teams that are in non-league now like Exeter and yeah. you know Scarborough and, and Stockport exactly. County and all these things your, your Chesters your Orients and all that uh, you know what we used to play I remember going the old co-op ground was it co-op ground uh, Bolton's old ground oh, yeah, yeah. co-op ground the tin bath uh, and the corner of the the this, you know the stadium if you want to call it a stadium was the shop wanted the co-op shop <laughs> um, and I remember being there and we were all singing and chanting as you do and then everybody stopped apart from me so I was still carrying on singing on my own standing up in the away end um, and it just stands out because I just remember looking around thinking oh god <laughs> I felt alright plonky you know but that's what beer does to you Oh, wow, there's some great, great moments with beer. <laughs> really is. Well, this has been absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm glad you've come on. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, of course, I'll mate. Yeah. yeah. I can say, if, if I can squeeze on again, I'll, I'll come on, but I'll, I'll pass the word on because I know there's a couple of lads I've spoke to said, yeah, if they get the chance, they'll, they'll you know, sit down and have a chat. They can talk a lot more than I can as well. So. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, the more I'm trying to get it work. Like when I first started, I was trying, I was hoping that I could get like a guest on every week and just have a quick chat and stuff. So. Yeah, it's great. You'll be able to come on again. It's not like one where it's like, right, that's it. You know, there's, there's times come on again. It's like I say, it's been a brilliant, brilliant chat today. Thanks for coming on. Hope we hear from uh, you again. My, my pleasure. Thank you for asking me.
Right, cheers, mate. You take care. Stay safe. Okay, cheers, mate. Bye bye. So, thanks there to Rob. Um, if anyone else would like to get on, like I say, there's, um, I'm asking people now if you want to get on to be interviewed. We've got plenty of time, of course, this next couple of weeks with lockdown and with people not really having a lot to do. And like I say to everybody, stay safe, do what the government tell you, stay in, no crowds, avoid everything you can. And uh, thanks for listening. Ta-da. <laughs>